Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. If you were with us last week, we're going to continue where we left off. Transformational living. How many of you think you could use a little transformation? How many of you think the neighbor next to you could use a little transformation? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time together today. We are so grateful that you love us and you care for us. You're full of love and mercy and grace toward us. Lord, we've already been in your presence through praise and worship. Lord, through communion and now let your word do something in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. A group of new police recruits were in class and their sergeant instructor asked them this question. If you were to pull over your mother-in-law, what would you do? There was a long silence in the class and a lot of contemplation and thinking. One young recruit uh, responded and he said, I'd call for backups, what I'd do. Romans chapter 12, that's where we were last week, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So just like that recruit, you have to think through some things. In our life, we have to keep thinking, and we need to be thinking through that renewed mind because to have transformational living, you have to have transformational thinking. You can't change your life until you change your thinking. Now, we looked at five things that Paul told us. Here's number one. He said, I urge you, or I beseech you, believers. Now, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church, even though the world could use some, uh, some heads up about this very uh, thing that we're talking about today. He says, I urge you, I plead with you. Secondly, he said, by the mercies of God. How many of you know you will never get where you're going unless God helps you? Got to have his mercy, have to have his grace. For us to get where God wants us to go, we have to have his help because we can't get there. You can't get to heaven without him. Through Jesus and him alone do you get to heaven. Third thing he said, present yourselves. Say that with me. Present yourselves. Now let's all say it. Present yourselves. Listen, this is an act of volition. God won't make you learn. He won't make you wise. He won't even make you get saved. So you and I have to present ourselves. It's an act of volition. Present yourself. The third thing is, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. This world is very good about trying to put you in the world mode. You got to act this way. You got to dress this way. You got to watch this. You got to do this. You got to be this. And the world's trying to conform you. But this is what Paul says. He says, don't conform to the world, but be transformed. And this is the fifth thing he said. How do you get transformed? By the renewing of your mind. You and I have to literally begin to think differently. You see, change is inevitable. I mean, everybody's going to go through change. But change is just a part of your life. However, you can change your job. You can change your home. You can change your address. You can can change your spouse. you, You can change your city. 
You can change your hair. You can change your nose. Change your ears. You can have your belly fat sucked out. How many are going to help me today? But even if you have all that done, you're still the same you, right? You look different on the outside, but you're the same on the inside. You see, it's only through the change of our mind and the way we think that real significant change comes. External changes will never be as powerful as the internal changes of our life. So that's why Paul moves on, and in Ephesians 6, he tells us that we have to put on the armor of God. Not just part of the armor of God, but what does he say? Put on the whole armor of God that you can withstand the onslaughts of the devil or the enemy. His thinking, his schemes, the way that he is wily, the way he creeps in. He says, gird yourself with truth. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. You put your armor on so you can stand. The Bible says you put the armor on so you can stand. Listen, we're not runners. We're standing. There is no armor on your backside. If you turn, you're vulnerable. If you turn, and if I turn, the enemy can hit us where there is no armor. So you and I have to put our armor on. We're not runners. We're moving forward in the name of Jesus with the armor of God because we're fighters and not runners. Now, how many of you know some people who are runners? Don't hold up your hand. Don't say their name out. Listen, they're here. They're there. They're in. They're out. We've got to be fighters. We're standers. We're moving forward. But let's focus on this one. Helmet of salvation. Why do you need the helmet on? What are you covering? You're covering your head that contains your mind. One of the greatest battlefields of your life is going to be your mind. How many of you would agree with me, the devil messes with your head? The devil messes with your head. It is one of the biggest battlefields that we will ever have. Sometimes you lie down on your bed, it's getting dark, and you close your eyes, and all of a sudden your mind, I mean, you're thinking about things you shouldn't think about. You can even be praying. You can even be kneeling. You can even be in the church. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, something comes to your mind, and you say, goodness gracious, I shouldn't think about that. And guess what? You shouldn't think about that. Where does that come from? The enemy wants to mess with your mind. And it is a battlefield that every one of us has to fight. And one of the battles we fight is how are we going to function through what we know instead of how we feel. You know, feelings are something that we all battle. So are we motivated by what we know, uh, the information we have, or are we motivated by how we feel? Let me just give you some verses. If the Son of Man makes you free, you're free indeed. In Deuteronomy, God said, I'm going to make you the head, not the tail. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's information that we know. But how many know that sometimes we don't feel that way? Okay, I want to say that again. How many of you know sometimes we don't feel that way? We know this, but we don't feel this. So are we making decisions on feelings? Or are we making decisions on information? Now let me see 
hold up your hands if anybody here has ever had any feelings that were contrary to the information. Okay. When you have something happen to you, or I have something happen to me, whether it's positive or negative, it will throw you into a mood. You can be in a good mood, or you can be in a bad mood. That, that mood that you have could be something that just happened to you, something that happened to you yesterday, or something that happened to you 40 years ago. And you think about it, how you were done wrong, you were abused, and all of a sudden, what does it do? It throws you back into that thinking. Now, you have to realize, I can stay in that mood, I can stay in that thinking, or I have to put on the helmet of salvation to stand what? Against it so that I can move forward and I can conquer the enemy. So this is what happens. That experience, that happening, that event throws you into a mood. That mood will affect your mind. How many of you know some people who are just moody? And now the moodiness has affected their personality. And now it's just not that moment that happened and now they're moody. Now because of the mood, it's affected their personality. Now you see them at Walmart on aisle three and you go to aisle 12. <laughs> because you don't want to talk to them. Because every time you get around them, what happens? They're negative. Well, let me just tell you this sad story. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to me yesterday, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. You see, that event can throw you into a mood, affects your mind, affects your personality that affects the quality of your life. And now some people are going through their entire life just feeling defeated because they did not gird up the loins of their mind to, 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 to walk and to know what they have been told through the Word of God, how that they are not the tail but the head. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I am an overcomer, so therefore I'm acting out of what I know and not acting out of my feelings. Have you ever noticed you can get depressed watching pictures and looking at pictures on Facebook? Their vacation looks better than yours. What they're eating looks better than what you're eating. Their husband looks better, their wife looks better, their trip looks better, their homes look better. I mean, I think they got pictures out of Pinterest and put on their Facebook. I mean, you, you can look at that and, and at times you think, well, that, my life's just not as good as theirs. I don't have a Facebook page. And um, so I may try this to make friends outside of Facebook. <laughs> and apply the same principles. So every day when I walk down the street, I'm going to tell those I pass by what I've eaten, how I feel at the moment, what I've done the night before, what I'll do later, and with whom. I'll give them handout pictures of my family, my dog, of me gardening, taking out the garbage, sweeping out the garage, watering the lawn, standing in front of landmarks, driving around town, having lunch, doing what everybody and anybody does. I'll listen to their conversations and I'll give them two thumbs up. <laughs> and it works just like Facebook. I already have four people following me. <laughs> two police officers, a private investigator, and a psychiatrist. <laughs> but we got to gird up our minds because you can think, hey, their life's better, my life is not good. So instead of really processing from a renewed mind to our heart. Now, I want you to catch this. This is the price of admission. 
I brought you all here to say this. This is what the Word of God says. You've got to process things through the renewed mind to get it into your heart. Okay? If you start with your heart and then get it in your mind, that's feelings. But from your mind to your heart, that's faith. Because what's your mind thinking on? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's the Word, right? The Word made flesh. So when I get the Word in my mind, now I'm not functioning out of my feelings. I'm functioning out of the Word, which produces faith. So I go from the renewed mind to my heart that inspires me to act. But if I do this, if I start with my heart, my feelings, my emotions, and then act with my mind, it's the reverse process. Because if you act always with your feelings, it will not always be good. Because you'll get into trouble. Now, how many of you have heard, you can become anything you want? If you try hard enough, you can become anything you want. How many of you have heard that? I believe that partially, but all of that's not true. You see, you can think you can be anything you want. What if we say we need to be everything that God wants us to be? That's a better line. Now, let me give you an illustration. How many of you ever heard of Shaquille O'Neal? Okay, Shaquille O'Neal is uh, a basketball player, and uh, he hasn't played in several years. You, you see him on ESPN. He's a commentator, and he's very colorful. I mean, he, he has some great lines, and, and he is large and in charge. He's seven foot one, and he, he played basketball at seven foot one, three hundred and thirty pounds. Okay, how many of you ever heard of Willie Shoemaker? Yeah. Willie Shoemaker, he is a jockey. And when he was born, he weighed less than three pounds. They didn't think he was going to survive. This many years ago, they put him in a shoebox, laid him on the lid of the oven as an incubator, and he lived. He never got five foot tall. He's four foot tall and something, some change. He, he got to be 90 pounds, and he's the world-famous jockey. So what if Shaquille O'Neal says, I, I can do anything I put my mind to? I see that train of coming. <laughs> what if Shaquille O'Neal says, I want to be the world's greatest jockey. He would be ever racehorse's nightmare. <laughs> His feet would be dragging on the track as, as they race. Seven foot one, 330 pounds, and he says, I want to be a jockey. Okay, let's reverse this. What if Willie Shoemaker at four feet tall and some change at 90 pounds says, I want to be the greatest NBA basketball player ever? I don't think so. But what if we realize I am fearfully and wonderfully made and God made me for purpose and so I can do all things through Christ. I can do anything I want to become if it is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What if I have that mindset? I'm going to guarantee you God created you, your body, how you look, how you can sing, how you can't sing. <laughs> he created you for a specific purpose and therefore you can do what God says you can do, and it's not by your feelings, it's by what he puts in your renewed mind to function to what you should do. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, we got to be careful that we got that helmet on. We've got to be careful of how we think. D does the name Kate Spade relate to you? Uh, 
a very talented woman, a businesswoman, a interior designer, fashion designer. She had a headquarters in Manhattan, 10,000 square feet in a very notable place. A few years ago, the, uh, the Kate Spade brand was uh, uh, sold a portion of that to Neiman Marcus for $130 million. And then as the family's getting out of that, the, the coach company, anybody got a coach bag here? Uh, my wife's got two or three of them. They only cost $29.95. <laughs> Not. So the coach company bought the remains of the, the uh, Kate Spade company for $2.4 billion. But yet, about two months ago, she went into her New York City apartment and hung herself, committed suicide. I mean, what was she thinking? I mean, think about that depression that gripped her. You see, sometimes there's external forces that, that move in. And, and sometimes we have to be very careful that we don't fall into that. We have to what? Gird up the loins of our minds. We have to put on the helmet of salvation. Uh, what, what about this guy by the name of Anthony Bourdain? This guy's very successful, celebrity chef, media personality, top of his career, best-selling author, won the Peabody Award, worth, you know, over a million dollars. So back in, uh, was it June, in France, he committed suicide, hanging himself. What was he feeling? That's why, you know, we have to, every one of us, guard our minds because you can't go by feelings. You have to go by the renewed mind and the information that we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me give you three verses. Verse 3, 4, and 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So if we look at this in a different perspective, and I'm not trying to change the word of God here, could we say we don't walk by our feelings? We don't walk by our feelings. We don't war by our feelings. But our weapons are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. They're not of this world. But they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, notice the four things he says. Number one, we have to pull down strongholds. Second thing we have to do is what? Cast down imaginations. Have you ever imagined something that didn't happen? Matter of fact, most experts say about 80 to 90% of things we worry about never, ever happen. About 80 to 90% of the things we worry about never, ever happen. Number three, anything that's contrary to the knowledge of God, number four, we have to bring it into submission to the obedience of Christ. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, let me give you the words. Stronghold, imaginations, knowledge, thoughts. Can you repeat that with me? Here we go. Strongholds, imaginations, knowledge, thoughts. What is that? That's your mind. That's my mind. So I have to be careful that my mind is that renewed mind, and the only way I can get it renewed is through Jesus Christ. What the Lord does with me. And once we change the way we think, we change our thoughts, then the world around us begins to change. But if you don't change your thinking, if you don't change your thoughts, the world around you will get kind of creepy. Luke chapter 15, here's a story you're familiar with. Uh, some Bible says the 
parable of the prodigal son, some say the lost son, but it begins this way. There was a man who had two sons. The youngest said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate or give me my share of the inheritance now. Even before you die, I want my share. So this young man had a certain perspective of how he viewed his father and his position. Now, we don't know everything he thought, but let's get into his mind. Can we do that just for a moment? Could he be thinking, everybody's living a better life than me? My friends are living a better life than me. Um, I'm stuck here. My dad's hindering my life. I could be more than this. I'm smarter than he is. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. How many have ever thought some of those things? Well, I have. Now, in light of whatever he thought, his father didn't say, how dare you? You know what his father did? He divided up his inheritance. He gave a third to that youngest son, two-thirds to the older son, and the younger son took what his father gave him. He went to a far country. He got out of Dodge. He went out, and he began to party. Wine, women, songs, very clear in the Bible, partay. This guy went out, and he had a one hell of a good time, right? Until it was over. And when it was over, he's out of money. And when you're out of money, you're usually out of friends. And now he's by himself. He has no money, has no job. He, he, he's destitute. So he gets a job feeding pigs. And he even thought, I'd like to eat what the pigs are eating. Now, I'm from Oklahoma. This is what we called it. We called it slopping the hogs. Can you say that in church? We called it slopping the hogs. Now, in this story that Jesus is telling, this young man is so destitute, so hungry, he wants to eat the slop that the hogs are eating. You say, well, I never do that. Our culture does it every day. Our culture does it every day. We eat the slop of alcohol, the slop of drugs, the slop of pornography. But then in verse 17, he came to himself. Listen, I'm glad one day I came to myself. So when I said those things, I'm not talking about you. I was talking about me. He came to himself. What, what is that? He came to himself. Listen to what he says. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? I'm here starving to death. I'll, I'll set out, go back to my father, say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. What's this young man doing? He's thinking through this with his mind. He's having an internal dialogue. He's thinking about this. He's processing this. You know what? It happens in your mind before it ever happens out here, good or bad. This young man, while he is saying this, still has hog manure squeezing up between his toes. He still smells horrible. His clothes are horrible. But yet he says, I think that I could go home. My father's servants are living better than I am today, and I'm the son. So he began to process in his mind, and when he thought that, it inspired him to action, and then a transformation begins. A renewed mind gives us the inspiration for the transformation.
You have to start thinking differently about your situation. What if, what if, what if, if you started thinking differently about your wife, would it change your marriage? What if you started thinking differently about your husband, would it change your marriage? What if you started thinking differently about your job, would it change your job? If you, you thought differently about your career, would it change your career? If you, if you thought differently about your home or your house, would it, would it change how you uh, acted, responded, how you moved in that different thinking? Yeah. I think so. Now, now here's, you're not going to believe this. You may think your wife is horrible, but there's a lonely guy that would love to have your wife. You may think my husband is horrible, but there's some lonely woman out there that would love to have your husband. Isn't that faith? To believe that? That that could actually happen? Uh, well, my old house. Do you know that 90% of the rest of the world would like to live in your house? Do you know 90% of the rest of the world would like to have the food in your refrigerator? That 90% of the rest of the world would love to have your car? You know why? Because what you have is better, and I know this is astounding, but what you have is better than 90% of the rest of the world. That's true. You have to change your thinking. Most of you know this. Uh, for years, um, Alan and some of the, the crew here and the mission people, we would go to Mexico as a church and we would build houses for people there and do vacation Bible school, the Jesus Video Project, go to orphanages and, and drug rehabilitation places. And so what we did for many years, we took our youth. And sometimes they'd be close to, what, nearly 40 young people go. So they'd have the slab of the house already poured, material on site. So in about a week or so many days, about 40 people could actually build a house. And uh, you'd say, well... You can't build a house in a week. You, you, you can build the best house in that neighborhood in a week because these people where they're going live in huts, little places that they build out of pallets, and they put blue tarps over the top of it. There's no electricity. There's no running water. It's a dirt floor. That's where they're living. So they would go into these uh, communities in conjunction with another church, and we, our crew there, would build houses. And so they'd build these houses. they put up the walls, the sheetrock, do the wiring, put the roof on, get it ready. Now listen, it's not like your house or my house, but let me tell you, for them, that is a mansion. And, and so they would, at the end of the week, they would give through the, you know, the instruction of the pastor of the church, they would give that house to a family or a minister or someone there that needed a home. Now, my sons went on those trips. Aaron, I just want to tell you about him. When Aaron went on that trip, when he came back after being in the third world and seeing all that, his thinking changed. His thinking changed. Now, they would always go in July, and Aaron's birthday is August the 4th. So I remember after going on some of those trips, I'd ask Aaron, what do you want for your birthday? You know what he'd tell me? Dad, I don't need anything. Why is he saying that? Because he didn't say that when he was 10. Let me talk to this group over here. He didn't say that when he was 10. But once he came back from a few trips to Mexico and saw how they lived and what those kids have, you know what he said? He said, Dad, I don't need anything. He said, matter of fact, when we would come back from Mexico, 
All the kids would give everything away they had. They'd give away their clothes. They'd give away their shoes. They would just come back with, with only what they had. Now, the, the humorous part was, he said, I said, well, did you give all your stuff away? He said, well, I gave, you know, some of my stuff away. I, I said, well, why didn't you give all of it? He said, well, Jody and I didn't give our shoes away. And I'm thinking, well, why didn't you and Jody give your shoes away? He said, well, Dad, there's not many kids in Mexico that wear size uh, 14 and 12 shoes. So, <laughs> so we didn't give our shoes away. What was the deal? You think differently. You begin to think differently. You and I have to realize that we are so blessed. We're so blessed. And sometimes we don't even realize how blessed we are. We don't even realize how blessed we are in this church. The music and the teaching, the facilities, we, we, we're just so familiar with it. Sometimes we, we react by feelings and not by a renewed mind. And so therefore we get into trouble, right? So if you're here today and you say, well, you know, my marriage is not what it should be and my life's not what it should be and, and you know, I'm not who I should be, here's the good news. Here's the takeaway. Jesus is a transformational Savior. Amen. I mean, he can change you and he can change me. And once you're transformed, you will think differently than you thought before. And when you think differently than you thought before, then life becomes different than you lived before. You see, I live differently here than I live differently over there. I'm not even for sure if our marriage would have survived if we hadn't been transformed. Now, I'm just telling you personally, so I'm going to give you a little, little I'm going to just throw it out here. I'm not for sure if Carrie and I would still be married today if our lives had not been transformed. And, and most of that was me. If I hadn't transformed, I don't know if we would be celebrating over 44 years of marriage because something probably would have happened because of that lifestyle that I was living. So today, if you're challenged, if you have those issues, the good news is we serve a transformational Savior. And your thinking can be changed. And when your thinking gets changed, your life changes. But your life will never change, according to Paul, until you have a renewed mind. And only God can renew your mind. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.